One more preseason game in the books, and let me tell you, cream's rising. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Vikings 7, 49ers 17 in the part of the preseason game you should care least about, which is the final score. What you should really care about is individual performance. So, I'm going to go over a bunch of those. Um, If you want more immediate reactions, you saw in your podcast feed this weekend the postcast, which is me and Sam Ekstrom. Um, You're going to have those uh, after every game, immediately after every game. We actually are doing them live, so you can find it on uh, on YouTube. This one went on Locked on Vikings, but mostly they'll go on Locked on Minnesota Sports. So you can find them live right after if you want, or the audio should be up shortly thereafter uh, on this here very podcast feed. in that, though, I mean, that's just what you catch live, right? And now I've actually had a little bit of time to watch some other things, uh, understand where I was wrong about some plays and stuff, you know, you catch things live. I thought Ole Udo gave up a sack that was Ed Ingram just because I got the two bodies mixed up, you know? Like, that's the kind of thing that happens. Um, but now, you know, you get a little bit more time to look at it and you can get a better sense. Um, headlines of this are probably going to be Kellen Mond's game, which is up and down, I guess, but that's such an overly simplistic way to put it. Um, That one's going to take a while to describe, but there's also Ed Ingram, I thought had a pretty good game. Um, And then some of the bottom parts of the roster really starting to sort themselves out. Um, At some point uh, tomorrow, I believe, the Vikings will cut five more players. They have to get their roster down to 80, and I think some of those decisions get made in the fourth quarter of the second preseason game. Um, You know, who struggles the most, who shows the least that they have a chance to maybe sneak onto the roster, that kind of thing, or or onto the practice squad. But in particular, I thought the wide receiver group really sorted itself out. Um, Had what I thought a pretty poor showing from Tristan Jackson. Myron Mitchell was like less active and I thought BC Johnson had a really nice day and that was already sort of the status quo. And those are the kind of guys that can't really afford to have a bad day. If they're trying to prove to the Vikings that, Hey, I actually belong to be here over the guy that, you know, had the third wide receiver job just two years ago. That's like, you don't, you can't afford to have a nasty day like what Tristan Jackson had. Um, plus the punt returns and stuff. And then, of course, we got to talk about the D.Y. McGill day, um, which, I, geez, that's the headline. I guess the headline is probably Andrew Booth, which um, Andrew Booth's ankle, uh, I guess, re-aggravated was the word that Kevin O'Connell used uh, in the second quarter, I think, of this game. Um, really scary looking injury, non-contact. We all thought it was an ACL for a second comes out as an ankle. So that's a big relief. And they even think he's got a chance to play uh, against the Broncos in the next preseason game, which, I mean, if there was any danger at all, like any caution, 
you would shut him down for the preseason game, right? So if he plays in that one, then you know, like even if it's limited, then you know that like they're not that worried. Um, but either way, that's pretty good, <laughs> pretty good luck if that doesn't actually take him out for any significant amount of time. But I, I don't know. Reaggravated is also a scary word when it comes to ankles. So we, we all just we'll kind of have to wait and see. But the hero of the game is T.Y. McGill, who's been around the league. He's been in the league for like eight years. Um, he's been on a whole bunch of eight teams. He's been on a whole bunch. I actually think he's only been in the league for like three or four years, but he's been on like eight different teams and he's been kind of one of these guys bouncing around. Um, in the postcast, Sam Ekstrom called him the next Tom Johnson. And the more I think about that, the more I like it. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like he's just one of those guys that maybe just catches on, you know, and just like has a good, he had a dominant preseason game. He had an excellent preseason game against the, um, the Raiders as well. He was fast. He was explosive. He showed a lot of power. He showed pass rush moves. He showed the ability to go through you, go around you. He kind of won in like every single way. And it's really hard to look past that. That is not a guy that we expected on the 53. And that means somebody else gets bounced. Um, but, you know, I was putting together a 53-man roster after this game to see if maybe I was going to do a podcast about that. Maybe I will at some point later in the week when it's more finalized. I've had more time to think about it. But the problem I was noticing is, you know, I kind of started with, all right, who is like acquitted themselves and made the team, you know? And that's where you get the T.Y. McGill's in. I think Jonathan Bullard's had a really nice camp. I think James Lynch has had a really nice camp. But if you notice, that's six guys on the interior defensive line. Um, if you include that, and then Phillips, Armin Watts, and Dalvin Tomlinson, who all comfortably have starting roles. Um, that's a lot of guys, and can I not cut one of those? I was like, okay, well, let's see how many players I have that kind of s- satisfy that um, and see where my roster is at. My roster ended up at 50 on that. Like, okay, who's played well enough unquestionably to make the team? My roster ended up at 50. Um, and that means, and you know, that I didn't have guys on there like Kellen Mond, who I don't think has done that. Um, I didn't have Madison on there, although I think I probably will change that because I thought he had a really good game against the 49ers. Um, there was one where I thought he missed a read and I, and I was just wrong about that. I'm glad I didn't tweet it. Um, and that was the only mistake that I noticed. And there was actually a couple of really nice pass pro reps. I think Alexander Madison, if there was a chance of him getting cut, I do think he kind of saved it or he just had a nice game and there was no chance at all. But either way, I am like way less into predicting that he's going to get cut after this game. Um, so that puts me at 51. So there is room to do stuff like that, I guess, is the point that I am making to keep guys like T.Y. McGill on the roster. And I mean, at the end of the day, why are they here if they can't earn it? Right. And if anybody has earned it, it's him. I would imagine that he makes the team unless he totally falls apart in the next game and turns out that it was just some fluke against second teamers, right? But there's other stuff that I want to get into. Um, I want to talk about Kellen Mond in particular and kind of how he did because I thought there was a lot of encouraging stuff in his game and then there were a whole bunch of catastrophes. I'm like, what do we make out of that? I want to talk about what the catastrophes like were. Um and then see if we can't start to sort out some of the other groups like we did with the wide receivers. That's my goals for uh, today's show. First things first, though, let me talk to you about a good old gramble, because if you want to bet on games, you want to bet on the next game, you can go bet on the Broncos game, or you can bet on real ones that count for real. You can bet on any single regular season game, Vikings or otherwise right now. You can find all of that at Bet Online over under win totals. They actually have alternative win totals. So if you're like way more bullish 
Um, you know, you can bet at higher odds something like maybe, you know, the Lions are at like 6.5 right now. And if you think, man, the Lions are way worse, they're, they're going to win two games. You can actually bet like under 3.5 and get way higher odds. You can also find tennis, MMA, WNBA, MLB, whatever you want. You can find player props. You can bet right in the middle of a game. Anything out there, all of that you can find at the one-stop shop for all things props, odds, line, odds, lines, and news. That is at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, go check out Locked On Fantasy Football or Locked On Dynasty. It is Fantasy Week. Get ready for your drafts. I would also love it if you would check out the history documentary that I've been doing. It's available on my Patreon patreon.com slash NFL. It's also available at Zone Coverage. Um, you don't have to pay for it either. Just uh, I mean, if you want early access, you can. Uh, you can join me on Patreon. And I would love it if you uh, wanted to show some appreciation. But otherwise, it is uh, free to watch over there. It is a history seven-part documentary series. Parts one through four are out. Part five comes out this weekend. Uh, part five is the 90s. So we get to talk Denny Green and Chris Carter and Randy Moss and all that stuff. I'm very, very happy with that one. That that one came is coming out really, really, really nice. Um, so I'd love it if you went and checked that out again. That's patreon.com slash NFL And check out the Minnesota Football Party as well on the Locked On Minnesota Sports Podcast feed. Let's do the Kellen Mond thing. Um, so here's where I'm at. Last week, I thought Kellen Mond took a step forward. He did not keep that step forward. Would I roster... Kellen Mond. That has to be the question, right? Like, okay, your coach, your decision, do you do it right now? And you don't get the next preseason game. Would you? I think my answer is still no. It, I don't want it to be that way. I don't, it's, I, I don't want to have to do it, but I think I'm cutting him. I'm cutting Mannion. Just real quick, Mannion had like a very backup -y game. He made very conservative decisions and he completed a lot of passes and that was fine. Um, Kellen Mond, had a really sharp game, and then there were two really bad interceptions and one really bad sack. Um, like, really bad. Like, I don't think you're going to make it in the NFL kind of bad. Um, and, but then there was so much other stuff that you're like, wait, this kid might have something. If only we can get rid of the cat catastrophic plays. It's like the golf game where you shoot a 10 on one hole, but outside of that, you know, I was one under par. Like <laughs> Outside of that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? That's the kind of, he had a Mrs. Lincoln kind of game. Um, so let me talk about some of these interceptions. The first one was a floater. I believe it was targeting BC Johnson. Didn't even get close to him, and it was a free pick for a, a corner that had been absolutely crushed. And the problem with that play on Mond, and it wasn't all on Mond. There was a pressure that wasn't his fault, um, but he held the ball too long, so it kind of was. Um, the Saints ran a stunt. I want to say it's called a pirate stunt, but coaches, if you're listening, correct me if I'm wrong. Um but there was somebody looping around from the outside to the inside past two different players. I don't know what that's called. Uh, I think that's pirate. But at any rate, there were three people on one side of the formation and one person and a mugging linebacker. So a linebacker threatening blitz who would end up backing off in that the protection usually, unless there was something in their film study that showed them otherwise, the protection should be called to the side with three players on it, which would have been a left protection. I'd call it like a lucky call. L for lucky, L for left. Um, Schlotman called the other way. 
The other thing is you could call a 5-0 protection or five man-to-man because five players were threatening. But Austin Schlotman called the protection the other way. Now, that might have been a default protection, and he might have been declining to change it. Um, He may not have seen a drastic enough effect to change it. I think he should have changed it. Easy for me to say in hindsight, right? Um, But either way, when that looping player comes around, Austin Schlotman and Ed Ingram were in a double team on one guy. Schlotman should have come off of that and picked up that stunting guy. Um, A similar mistake was made later by Kendall Hinton. And uh, Madison actually had to come pick up the blitz. And it was a really, really, really good rep. It was the one, it was the the third down, probably the best Kellen Mond rep of the day too. Um, maybe the best Kellen Mond rep he's ever had in the NFL at least, um, where he bails out of the pocket and he finds BC Johnson on the run with just a total strike, like off platform. It was a phenomenal rep. Um, and Madison, it was one of the reps that kind of made me think like, okay, Madison still has this. Um same mistake happens, but it's Schlotman this time. And Wangu actually had to come in and block a defensive end. He does not going to stop all of that guy's momentum. <laughs> so he did the best he could, but he just doesn't have the beef to um, keep up with that guy. So what ends up happening is Kellen Mond, you got a guy in your lap and you can't follow through and your arms basically hit as you throw as the thing comes out like a duck. And then it's an easy interception. The thing is, the ball should have been long gone. And this has been Kellen Mond's thing. He just holds the ball too long. And I'm not even talking. I mean, I talk about that with Kirk Cousins sometimes where he'll see it, but he'll wait for it a little bit to be like a million percent extra super safe. But he could have thrown it. And it's like, you just like, just do it. You don't have to double and triple check. This is way worse than that. I mean, with that, with with Cousins, I'm quibbling over like two or three steps from the receiver. And that that's how NFL windows work. And I think that that's good. But with Mond, it's like the entire play goes away. Um, it's It's untenable. And in this particular case, there's a flat-footed corner, and he knows that there's it's a smash concept, really, really simple smash concept with um, a quick out and a corner behind it, right? So two, two, a high route and a low route on the sideline. That's, that's your read. And you see a flat-footed slot corner who is going to have to now turn around and run with BC Johnson. That dude is toast the second he takes a flat-footed stance and he gets caught and he waits way too long. That corner makes a really bad play and ends up getting rewarded by with an interception because of the pressure and stuff. It was a, a really, really rough interception because the ball should just be gone or he should be able to take a little bit of a step somewhere else. There was room in that pocket to work it. You didn't have to let that come into your lap. Um, and he just isn't processing things very quickly at all. And that's the kind of thing that just has to come with experience. So the question becomes, um, the sack, there was a sack that was like a very, very similar thing where like it was there, you should have gotten to the check down more quickly. Um, like he could have gotten to the check down. It was third and seven and the check down was wide open. There was no flat defender. So he could have caught it and run for probably 20 yards. Um, and pressure came. It was on Ed Ingram. He overset and he there was pressure and he got sacked, but the ball should have been long gone. You have to get in the NFL. You have to get through your progression way, way faster than Mond is doing. It's just unacceptable. Um, so the, the question is, does that ever become acceptable? How long is it going to take? And is it worth us spending all the resource to do it? Am I spending one of my 53 man roster spots on a guy like right now? I can't put Kellen Mond on the field. If Kirk Cousins goes down, I'm panic trading for somebody like I'm bringing Mark Sanchez out of a broadcast booth before I'm putting Kellen Mond on the field. 
um, it's it's unacceptable. Like it's not a matter of, but he's got a little bit of runaround ability. No, I, I would probably rather bring somebody up off a practice squad. Like, is Danny Etling going to make the Packers? Because I'd rather have him on the field right now than Kellen Mond, and that one's not even a joke. <laughs> I genuinely would. Um, so, like, you can't do it, and maybe you see that potential and you see, well, if he can just learn to do his progressions a lot faster, maybe he comes back and he's got something next year. What are the odds of that? And am I spending a roster spot on it? Or are we better off at backup quarterback this year and next? If we just go out and get someone, that's the question with Mond. I want to keep this going. Um, we'll talk a little bit about some of the other stuff too, but the Kellen Mond question is the one that's burning in my mind. So I do want to keep going on it. First, I have a very, very important thing to tell you, and that is don't drive drunk, you jerks, you heathens. My goodness, look, you hang out with some friends. Maybe you're watching a night game. You've, you've had a couple and you go, ah, I don't, I don't want to like come back and get my car tomorrow. You know, maybe I can make it. I'm just a little bus. No, no, stop that. All right. You Philistine, <laughs> it is so easy to talk yourself into the stupidest mistake you'll ever make, and you'll get pulled over, you'll get in trouble, you could lose your job over that, get a huge ticket, maybe even jail time, or worse, you actually do get in a crash. It's just a super dangerous thing to do. Forget the law and the punishment. People could get hurt. You could get hurt. Someone you love could get hurt. So don't do it, man. Just call a cab or whatever, like call a lift. You you get home, you come back and get your car later. It's all going to be okay. Don't push it. This is not the time to push it. This is not the time to ah, we'll just risk it. No, none of that. All right. Drive sober or get pulled over. For me with Kellen Mond, the last kind of the straw that broke the camel's back was the last interception. Um, so they were doing this by quarter. So Kellen Mond took the first and third quarters. Sean Mannion took the second and fourth quarters, but they ended up having a chance to do a two minute drill at the end of the game. They gave that to Kellen Mond. I'm pretty happy they did that. Give him the reps so we can evaluate him. And that ended on genuinely one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. And I just saw the one earlier in the game. I do think this one is worse. Like it's so hideous. <laughs> I'm going really hard on him, but man, you're an NFL quarterback. You got to do better than this. So here's the look. I'm looking at it right now. There's three corners all in press and one single high safety. I think he looks at this and takes it green apple. And I, I don't know if that's the right nomenclature anymore. That's what Andrew Janoco called it last year. Um, but what that means is you see a pre-snap look that says, oh, heck yeah, this guy's going to be one-on-one. -on -one. You know, Justin Jefferson's got a one-on-one. -on -one. Screw the rest of the play. I am throwing him a go ball. And that is something that is in every offense will have those sort of alerts that you say, oh, wait, heck yeah, we have the perfect look for a one-on-one -on -one that we really like. Or a, it's not always a one-on-one, -on -one, but the, the route we really like is here. The rest of the play can be completely erased. And I'm just going to do a three-step drop and huck this up to Justin Jefferson or whatever. Um, it's Jalen Naylor in this particular case, but for whatever reason, Kellen Mond sees that and he takes it because he is three-step drop and it's gone. Like he wrote, like, this is not a read. This is all pre-snap. It's a terrible pre-snap read, man. Why are you doing that when there is a single high safety who is playing over the middle of the field? You do that when like Kirk Cousins has explained a couple of these that he did to Justin Jefferson, um, against the Packers that, he would see them in a too high and in a particular look that he knew 
uh, that that safety was not going to be part like in the coverage or that he was going to be poaching or he was going to be like covering underneath or maybe that safety rotates down or something like that. Um, so based on film study or whatever, he knew that that was truly going to be a one-on-one and he's not wrong about that because he does a lot of homework. <laughs> That's Kirk Cousins knows what he's looking at. Kellen Mond doesn't know and he's wrong. The safety goes right over. He reads the quarterback's eyes and Kellen Mond doesn't look him off or anything. This could be the kind of thing where you could look the other way, look that safety off and then fire this and actually would be pretty good. The other thing is it's a horrendous throw. Jalen Naylor, who, by the way, doesn't win on his route like at all. Um, and I thought I, I probably am not putting him on the roster from scrimmage as a wide receiver, but maybe as a punt returner, Amir Smith-Marset had two problems with ball security in the punt return. Um, probably lost that job. So I think it's right up for grabs. And I do think Naylor has a shot at it. It's definitely something to watch next week Um, for this. So he doesn't win his route, but the ball is like 10 yards under where it's supposed to be. Like it needs to be way higher and it floats and it's like super lobby and it just falls right into the safety's hands. It's the easiest play this safety's ever going to get. It's free money for him. And I just, I don't know what Kellen Mond is seeing, what he thinks is happening. Did he think Naylor was going to come back to the ball? I don't think so, because this one has so much air under it. It's just like he undershot it. Like, I I almost want to ask him what on earth happened there. I kind of hope somebody does, because he doesn't step into it, but he could have. Like, he had room to step into it and get better velocity on it. I know he has the velocity. His whole thing is velocity. Like, that's the whole point of drafting him was velocity, and he's just not using it. I don't understand what he saw pre-snap. Whatever he did, it was wrong. And then he beefed the throw as well. It's just something that just, it's just not an NFL play. It's just a a play that not an NFL quarterback makes. And so I I don't know. He gets one last chance for me. And I think if he beefs it in the, the Denver game, I'm ready to cut it. I'm ready to say, you know what? I know it's only been two years in your third round quarterback, you can be someone else's project. I need somebody that can actually back up my quarterback. And Sean Mannion ain't that guy either. Um, that's where I'm at right now. I'm I'm in the you get one more chance kind of kind of place. And genuinely, he does get if he balls out in Denver, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool, you're the backup. Um, but if he doesn't, I'm done. I'm I'm ready to move on with this. Both because like he's not far enough along to be the guy now, and he's not far enough along for me to have feel that good about him being the guy next year either. And if he, you're waiting two years for a backup quarterback, like man, what are we doing? <laughs> Spend your roster spot on something else. Let me look elsewhere on the roster, though. Of course, there's T.Y. McGill. I think some other things really solidified themselves. Patrick Jones had another really really nice day. He's really looking like a like a, a Stephen Weatherly sized kind of player. Not literally, but Stephen Weatherly quality player where you're like, ah, I don't know about you as a starter, but you're a great backup. Love you as a rotational guy. Um, DJ Wanham had a couple of good plays. Those are really your four principal outside linebacker, edge rusher types. Um, the next guy maybe would be Zach McLeod, but I thought Zach McLeod had a pretty bad day. And he might have got hurt at the end. I haven't heard any updates on his health or anything, but he did come up really slow at like one of the last plays of the game. And I don't know if any of the reporters have asked about it because it was the fourth quarter of a preseason game. And I don't know, these guys were like getting ready to go to the press conference anyways. Like, I I don't know if anybody's actually asked about it, Um, but we'll see if he like comes, shows up to practice or if he's on any reports or if he plays in the Denver game. Either way, I don't think he did very well. I thought Luigi Villan had a catastrophic game. There's, you've got 
those guys and then like that's kind of it you've got janarius robinson who got caught in coverage a bunch in like fire zone blitzes which is like i'm I'm trying not to over to like fault him too much for but it's hard not to when he's just the guy in coverage every time and well you know if you can't do that part of the job that's clearly going to be a part of the defense as much as i hate that it's going to be um cornerback wise i thought a caleb evans had a very up and down day i didn't hate what i saw from him but i didn't love it either he played really safe really off um very responsible almost too responsible of corner looked very like a lot like bashad breland last year where it just wasn't a lot of confidence so i don't think he's ready to be on the field quite yet but he's also gonna be like corner five so i mean he probably won't be in a positive note, and I, there was a lot of positive stuff from this game. I'm not like really harping on a lot of the negative stuff, but don't get me wrong. There was a lot of like really fun stuff to look at. T.Y. Miguel was awesome. Patrick Jones was awesome. Um, and Chaz Surratt, I thought, had a really nice day. Um, he had some physicality stuff. It's just always going to be his game. But he had one drive where I thought he was like really playing all over the field. Um, I, the Blake Lynch-Troy die thing is really interesting to me. Um, I thought Troy Dye had a better game than he did against the Raiders and kind of acquitted himself a little bit, but I still think Blake Lynch is like nipping at his heels. Um, I don't think Chaz Surratt did enough to like make a team or anything, but he did enough to maybe keep his NFL career alive, whether it's in purple or otherwise. Outside of that, we also saw some Ryan Wright punting. Thought he did okay at it. Not too shabby. Um, I think Jalen Naylor had a pretty good day on special teams as as a gunner, and I guess by virtue of Smith Barset beef and a couple of returns. That's a good day for Jalen Naylor kind of by proxy. Um, and uh, yeah, Ed Ingram will be a, f- a fun tape to break down. There's a lot of push. There's a lot. Uh, he, he looked like he didn't belong in this game in a good way. You know, that all the starters sat in this 49er game. There's like 27 different players sat the whole starting O-line, the whole starting defense, cousins, Jefferson, Thielen, all those guys all sat. No KJ, no, nobody. Um, and, Jesse Davis sat and Ed Ingram played and it looked like Ed Ingram belonged on the bench with all the rest of the starters. I, I don't want to go too deep into it cause I just don't have time to, but suffice to say, I I think he's, he, if he doesn't start after this preseason, I'm going to be pretty stunned. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that he is ready day one to go in and he should. Um, tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. So send me your questions at Luke Braun NFL or at Lockdown Vikings on Twitter. You can also send them to me on my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Luke Braun NFL. You can fill out the Google form in the show notes, send an email to lockdownvikingspodcast at gmail.com anytime, um, and I'll answer all of those questions. We'll talk about whatever other news comes up. See you all then, and as always, skull.